Pastor Xavier Reese and the long arm of God. This is Yahweh speaking from heaven to earth about future things. The message of judgment is clear. Behold, I am against you. Yahweh is the one who is hostile here. It's set up against the Jews in Ezekiel 5.8, Tyre in 26.3, Sidon in 28.22, Pharaoh in 29.3, and Eden in 35.3. When God says, I'm against you, it's not good. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When the superpower nation of Russia broke up into many smaller nations, most people assumed their threat was over. Though that's man's accepted interpretation of history, God had already authored a completely different story. Today, Pastor Xavier helps unveil that narrative as he brings us today's lesson, Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 1. Let's listen. The prophet Ezekiel was a watchman of the house of Israel, as you know, and he made it clear that the restoration of the land and the nation of Israel would certainly take place. He's told us that from chapter 35 to 37. Ezekiel now brings us to the invasion of Israel by Russia with what seems to be an Islamic confederacy to be destroyed by God. These two chapters are to be taken as an entire section. But the sections are not in chronological order. If this is not recognized, they can be seen as contradicting one another. We must look at the timeline. It's not that easy of a passage, 38 and 39, as some people profess. It has its difficulties. The message is very in their description of events, if you've read it. You have the general revelation given, then specific details of the same event that are to be put back into it. You're familiar with stuff like that. Genesis 1 and 2, some people think two accounts, chapter 1 and 2, contradicting. No. Chapter 1, the general revelation. Chapter 2, details that need to be put back in, right? The book of Revelation, the same thing. General revelation, and then details get put back in. It's an Eastern book. So if we keep that in mind, then we can understand it a little better. Therefore, we have to think through the content of the message to place each in the right timeline by the context to see where it fits in the latter years. That's a key phrase, in the latter days, which is the last seven years of tribulation, which complete the time of the Gentile. You find those two phrases in 38.8 and 38.16, last years and last days. That's the context. This invading battle has been placed at different periods of the last seven years of tribulation. Some have placed it at the beginning. Others have placed it in the middle. Still others have placed it at the end of the great tribulation. And still others have placed it at the end of the thousand-year reign. Now, none are problem-free. Some have more problems than others, and some just don't fit at all. But if we see these chapters as describing a single battle that takes place at a set point in time, followed by the various details resulting in other events ending with the recognition of God by Israel and the nations at the end of the seven years, then it makes perfect sense. I see this battle, the invasion of Israel by Russia, taking place at the beginning of the tribulation, simultaneously with the rapture of the church, or right after it. I used to say maybe before, but I don't even accept that now. Because 
If it's before the rapture, then that destroys the doctrine of eminence, that Christ can come back any time. It has to be right at the rapture or right after the rapture because no man knows when Jesus is coming for his church. First, these two chapters take place during a time of peace. Very important that we see this. Peace and safety. This will take place when Israel makes its, her covenant with the Antichrist. The last seven years, Daniel 9, 27. Israel's not at peace right now. It will take place when they make the Antichrist covenant, Daniel 9, 27. Secondly, the Jews burn the weapons of warfare for fuel for seven years. That's exact number of the tribulation and great tribulation. Ezekiel 39, 9 tells us seven years. I am bound to those seven years. I can't just ignore them. I have to fit in the, in the scheme of prophecy. And thirdly, the acknowledgement of God by Israel as their God does not take place till the middle of the tribulation, we know. When the Antichrist declares himself God and he walks in the temple, and then Israel flees to Petra. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, Revelations 12, 13 through 17. So when it declares to us that Israel acknowledges God in the nations, we have to look at the context closely. It cannot be at the beginning. Because if it is, how can Israel acknowledge God at the beginning of the seven years and make a covenant with the Antichrist? It can't be. So if we understand the period of seven years and all the covenant, then we can see that some of those statements are overall statements of the result of what's taking place. The two chapters comprise seven messages prefaced by the prophetic formula, Thus saith the Lord God. What we want to do is look at Ezekiel 38 and 39 that predict the Russian invasion of Israel in the latter years in three studies, following the natural threefold movement. Here's the threefold movement that we'll be looking at. First, the invasion of Russia and Israel this morning, 38, verse 1 through 13. Secondly, the destruction of Russia at her invasion of Israel, 38, 14 to 23. And then thirdly, the decimation of the Russian army in Israel, all of chapter 39. Let's begin with the invasion by Russia of Israel. Verse 1 through 13, let me read. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out. With all your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company of bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his troops, the house of Togarma from the far north, and all of his troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from a people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You will all, with all your truths and many people with you. Thus saith the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that the thoughts will rise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land on walled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. 
to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are against, again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all of their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? The invasion of Russia by Israel consists of three things. First, verse 1 and 2, the declaration of God's opposition to Russia. Secondly, verse 3 through 9, the confederation of armies with Russia. And then 10 through 13, the imaginations of the mind of Russia. Let's begin here. Look at the declaration of God's opposition to Russia. Verse 1. The revelation is identified as being divine in origin all over again here. The phrase, now the word of the Lord came, is a prophetic formula reminding Ezekiel constantly, this is God's revelation of the future. God has, had told him about the fall of Jerusalem, it came to pass. God had told him about the attempted escape of Zedekiah and the capture by the uh, Babylonian troops, it took place. What would make Ezekiel believe that this would not come to pass, even if he didn't understand it? None. And this is important for you and I to understand. The fulfillment of prophecy does not depend upon my understanding it. Not even my believing it. Though I do understand many things and believe them. Notice the revelation was said to be made known to Ezekiel personally. It came to me saying. Now look at the commission of the prophet. It was one of judgment. The one who was uh, human and frail by the title, Son of Man, would be the channel of God. The title again appears 93 times in the book. The title is used of Daniel. Jesus used it for himself 81 times in the gospel. The prophet was to set his face against Gog, implying judgment under the wrath of God. Please note that. 14 times it's stated in the book. The judgment is confirmed by the phrase prophesy against him. Notice the identification of the enemy is given to us in verse 2 also. The term Gog is a title like czar or pharaoh. It means mountain, to be on top, head, chief. The land of Magog is the geographical location, the location of the descendants of Jephthah, the grandson of Noah, Genesis 10, 2, 1 Chronicles 1, 5. This is the mountain region between Cappadocia and Media, the area of the Scythians. Keep those guys in mind, Scythians. Josephus in the Antiquity of the Jews says this, quote, Magog founded those that from him were named Magagites, but who are by the Greeks called Scythians. The Scythians were barbarians, expert horsemen, and fierce, bloodthirsty killers who used the skulls of their victims as drinking goblets for their blood. They, used, they made napkins out of their skin. They never washed. Paul the Apostle mentions them in Colossians 3.11. He says, those can be saved. <laughs> That's how great the grace of God is if they repent. They lived in the area of modern-day Russia in Islamic Central Asia, the Scythians. The late President Ronald Reagan was right when he said the Soviet Union was an evil country. We seem to have forgotten her history the last 25 years. She has not changed. Notice the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal further describe the geographical area under judgment. Rosh 
has been interpreted by many as a reference to the name Russia. Now, the majority of modern, critical, liberal commentators say we're out to lunch when we do this, interpret it Russia. Yet Gesenius, the 19th century German professor, considered the father of modern uh, lexography, because of the lexicon we have Gesenius, conclude that Roche refers undoubtedly to the Russians. In fact, I even hate to mention it, but Voltaire, the French atheist philosopher who hated Christians, wanted to disprove the Bible so much that he traced diligently the genealogy of Noah, and he came up with the conclusion against his own will that Roche was Russia. Meshach, Moscow, Tubal, Tobolsk, the cities of Russia. The area and countries in eastern modern Turkey, southwest of Russia, and northwest of Iran related to the ancient Scythians is the area. There's the Thai. Meshach and Tubal were the brothers of Magog. All three were sons of Japheth, who originally settled the land bordering the Mediterranean and the Black Sea. I've given you the scriptures in Genesis and 1 Chronicles. Both traded with Tyre, by the way, in Ezekiel 27, 13. You know, a policeman was able to make a positive identification of a very dangerous suspect by three things. As he was looking, they gave him the car he was driving, the birthmark on his left cheek, and a tattoo on his right forearm. And with those three Distinctive marks, he was, to po- he was able to positively identify the criminal. And so Russia is positively identified here by her name, her geographical location, and her evil character that we see. She cannot be mistaken. Russia has been an independent country since the dissolution of the Soviet Union in December of 91. But she is alive and will revive to attack Israel. People thought that that's it, Russia's through, the Bible's wrong. No, it isn't. I told you, 91, hang on, she'll come alive. Russia's membership in the United Nations is one of five states with permanent membership on the United Nations Security Council and veto power. It is also one of the five recognized nuclear weapon states under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and possesses the world's largest stockpile of weapons of mass destruction to the present day. Russia is also part of the Commonwealth of Independent States, the group of former Soviet republics, as well as the Quartet and the G8. An article, Russia sells sophisticated missile systems capable of repelling U.S. and Israeli air missile assaults, November 27, 206, Dabka files. Listen closely. The first of 29 Tor M1 systems in the 700,000 million deal have been delivered to Iran by Moscow, despite U.S. opposition to their sales of the weapons, widely regarded as the most advanced and its kind in the world. Some Iranians and Russian air defense experts say uh, its full deployment at Iran's nuclear installation will make them virtually invulnerable to American-Israeli attack in the foreseeable future. Therefore, no more than six months remain in the Russian Tor M1 system are in place. Depka file says military sources disclose that Iran's military and Revolutionary Guards uh, units are on top alert for war. Tehran is determined not to be caught napping by any surprise attack. The fact that officials in Moscow, albeit unidentified, announced that Tor M1 missiles delivered to Iran 
indicates that Russian President Vladimir Putin has decided to shrug off U.S. objections, so he's just ignoring these whole things. Uh, the files add some information about this super missile. It says the first of the barrier of this delivered come ready with Iran's crew trained at Russian Air Defense Corps facilities. The advantages of the Tor M1 system are principally its ability to simultaneously destroy two targets traveling at up to 700 kilometers per hour in any weather by any night. It's powerful jamming resistant radar with electronic beam control and its vertically launched missiles ability to maintain high speed and maneuverability throughout its operation. According to the military experts, the 3M Pulse Duplo electronic beam steered EF band surveillance radar feeds to digital fire control computers range and elevation plus automatic threat evaluation data up to 48 targets. This is high tech stuff. The 10 most dangerous targets are automatically tracked and prioritized for engagement by the weapon itself. The maximum radar range is billed as 25 kilometers, but maybe more. 06, the United States called on all countries to stop all arm exports to Iran. It has not ceased. Russia is at the forefront of this. The declaration of God's opposition to Russia is for judgment. Now, don't walk out of here saying Xavier says Jesus is coming this year. I'm not telling you don't dates. I'm taking Ezekiel's text, we're interpreting it, and we're putting things that are going on in the world side by side, and we're saying this could be the scenario. We don't know if it is. You understand? But we're looking at the text and allow it to speak for itself. Now, notice secondly, in verse 3 through 9, we have the confederation of armies with Russia. Verse 3, the initiation by Russia as head brings her judgment. She's the one responsible. The authority of revelation continues to be affirmed divine, thus saith the Lord God. This is the first of seven messages by the formula. This is Yahweh speaking from heaven to earth about future things. The message of judgment is clear. Behold, I am against you. Yahweh is the one who is hostile here. It's set up against the Jews in Ezekiel 5.8, Tyre in 26.3, Sidon in 28.22, Pharaoh in 29.3, and Eden in 35.3. When God says, I'm against you, it's not good. Notice Yahweh's hostility is righteous and just, seeing he is the Holy One of Israel. We've seen this throughout the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. It is interesting that Russia is the only nation that has boasted about being an atheistic nation. And when they went to the moon, they declared, we've looked around and we went to the other side of the moon and God was not around, as if that was it with Christianity. But when our astronauts went up, they read Genesis from up there. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Interesting. All other nations are polytheistic or monotheistic. But she's the only one who declares atheistic, though America is going that way. <laughs> the national identity and location is repeated for emphasis. Notice, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. The repetition magnifies the intense hostility towards Gog or Russia. The repetition affirms her identity so there be no mistake. This is Russia. Look at the mobilization of Russia. It's prophetic in nature in verse 4. The one in control of history is Yahweh. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out. The prophecy repeats this many times 
with the personal pronoun I, referring to God himself. 38 times in these two chapters, I, I, I. Verse 16 and 17, you have that repetition. I am against you. I will lead you out. Prophecy is not to be understood as some predetermined destiny like Greek thought, forcing the hand of man. Be careful of that. Don't say, well, how can God force these guys to do it and then judge them? He can't, and he doesn't. Prophecy means he tells you what's going to happen before it happens, but he doesn't force people to do evil. If you've told your kid, hey, throw a rock through that window, and then when he did, you slap his head and turn him into the police, wouldn't you be evil? Let's not accuse God of that. God never violates free will. These nations, these people are acting on their own will, fulfilling the prophecies of God because he knows the end from the beginning. You understand? Now, if that bothers you, please don't. God's not worried about it. He is just. Notice the purpose for their mobilization is to go to war with all their armies, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, great company of bucklers, shields, all of them handling swords. The Russians have a history of fighting on, on horseback, cavalry, and still practice. They're related to the Scythians. They were equestrian tribes. I just give you that background. There's the connection. Herodotus gives us that. It's history. The army is of a great size, armed with swords. Look at verse 5 and 7. You have the unification of the nations that's identified here. There are five that are named. The first three are Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. Persia is first, the modern-day Iran. They are radical Muslims who have vowed to drive the Jews into the sea. The Persians of Esther's day also planned to destroy the Jews by a man named Haman. Esther 3.8, listen. Then Haman said to the king of Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. Nothing new. Same philosophy. Ethiopia. The Sudan region is second. Ethiopia, they were mighty warriors in the past. Isaiah mentions them. Jeremiah. Just recently, they have defeated the radical Islamic extremists that have tried to take over their nation. We should learn from them. When they try to enact laws to behead people who wouldn't pray six times a day and they try to overpower their women, they stood up and they didn't have any controls over warfare. They wiped them out. Libya's third. These three are with them. Gog, the Prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. All of them with shield and helmet. The Confederacy is for war. This is emphatic. They're not going down for peace treaties or for inspections. Verse 6, the last two are Gomer and Tagarma. Gomer's fourth, the ancient uh, Sumerians, uh, south of the Black Sea, modern-day eastern Germany for the most part, Poland and all its troops. Tagarma is the fifth, the Balkan states, Turkey, Yugoslavia, Armenia, the region southeast of the Black Sea. The house of Tagarma from the far north and all its troops, it says. Russia extends more than 6,000 miles east and west directly north of Israel. There is no one else that could fit this. Many people are with you, he says. The proclamation is sounded. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you. And the personal responsibility is stated. 
and be a guard for them. Pastor Xavier Reese with an intriguing look at what's to come. And there's much more on this ever-relevant topic coming up next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is, Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 1. It's available on CD for only $4. Now once again, the title to ask for is, Russia Will Invade Israel, Part 1. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Has the once mighty Russia lost its power and place in history? Join us for an important disclosure on its fate on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com